Hello and welcome to another edition of Movies and Tea. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Miss Kimlo. Hello. Uh, tonight we are on the festival circuit as we check out a documentary that we were very fortunate to get a screener of. So thank you very much to Kim for sorting this one out. Tonight we're going to be looking at Clapboard Jungle, Surviving the Independent Film Business by Justin McConnell. A new documentary which not only charts his own struggles within the film industry, but also a survival guide for the independent filmmaker of getting your film out there and noticed. Especially in these times where everyone is able to make films and it's become something of a saturated market as uh, the documentary sets out to explore amongst uh, obviously following Justin and his journey as a filmmaker. Kim, I mean, opening thoughts on this one. I mean, do you watch a lot of documentaries or documentaries about filmmaking in general? Actually, I don't watch a whole lot of documentaries. Um, In general, I guess I watch maybe one or two a year, if anything. Maybe one a year. Uh, not a whole lot on movie making either. Those are really, like, serious topics. It's not really my sort of thing, I guess, because, I don't know, I find documentaries, for me at least, I don't, I really like choosing topics that I like, and then usually I end up regretting it, because it turns out to be, like, animal-related, and it's always about animal cruelty or something, and then I feel really (laughs) sad and depressed afterwards. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is a whole new experience i mean i think the i had watched one on um i had watched one before on uh the i guess how hard it is to make triple a games as well there was one uh, playing hard um that was a process of making uh for honor i think is that game for honor Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, by Ubisoft, and uh, the journey of pretty much uh, the creative director. And I think that was also, that was also during the Fantasia festival circuit. Awesome. Um, well, as we said already, I mean, this one is a documentary directed by uh, Justin McConnell. Uh, it's kind of unique in the fact that it's not just a focus on you know, one on the particular t- topic of um, getting a film you know, made and distributed, but also following his own journey as a filmmaker, which is kind of gives us this two thread story as he's uh, here amassed an impressive collection of interviews, to say the least, including some interviews which I assume would be some of the final interview footage when we look at the likes of, you know, Sid Haig and uh, George A. Romero who are sadly no longer with us, and you combine this with the likes of Guillermo del Toro, Michael Bien, Tom Savini, Paul Schrader. The list kind of goes on and on with this one of uh, all the people that he's managed to introduce, and it ranges not only from actors and established personalities within the filmmaking world, but also a lot of independent directors and producers and some actors as well. So it's a wide range of subjects that he he includes interview footage with throughout the film and I mean it's quite a short film it only runs at 98 minutes uh, but how did you actually find the film itself Kim? The documentary was interesting I mean especially since the last few years I've been I've been pretty much my main new movies that I watch are all on the festival circuit I don't I don't go to mainstream theaters anymore <laughs> that was one of the things they did talk about in in the documentary uh but i mean i like what they were talking about and how 
I think as bloggers and reviewers ourselves and and that sort of personality looking into this, I feel like they make a really good point a lot of times uh, and you see the hard work that just just looking at how much like the the hurdles that he had to go through just to get his project off the ground and it's one project after the next after the next and you have to accumulate so much in your in your back pocket to just to hope that someone's gonna pick up that vision or keep you on as director and green light your project and there's so many things that he needs to go through and I really like that this is this is very much his survival guide as in he goes through the process of getting his film made but at the same time we also have a lot of advices and and vision and like and like opinions about the market right now the movie market whether it's mainstream whether it's uh it's the independent whether it's uh, genre cinema whatever everybody has their own views and a lot of these people that he interviews is i mean some of them i've seen from especially since there's a big focus on fantasia festival i've seen a lot of these people because i cover the fantasia festival for i think the past what, five six years now so i know a lot of the people that he talks about and how credible a lot of them are and at the same time there's also like you said there's a lot of bigger names who at this point has gotten a lot of fame but have also but also came from i think all directors come from this this indie platform and then they grow from there and if you're lucky you turn into Guillermo del Toro who gets you know the big bucks behind his projects right <laughs> <laughs> or you know like that sort of stuff and they all talk about the different things you need to be aware of at the different stages that he's at when he's looking for you know when he, when he's trying to look for funding and getting his movies off the ground and every single phase he goes through they give really good feedback on on just the process itself what each of them think is important and to 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 having a successful i guess financing funding for your and and just what goes into all of this Yeah, I think this is certainly a very sobering view. If you're a young, aspiring filmmaker, I think this is a very sobering view of the industry as a whole. Uh, the fact that, as it points out, the fact there is so much content now, but not enough places to actually push it. Um, be it via the various streaming services or as a physical release or in theatres. There's now We're now in this place where... I think it's the same for a lot of the creative industry, be it, you know filmmaking or writing or podcasting whatever your sort of creative output happens to be we're now in this place where we've made it too easy for ourselves to produce content but now we're swamped in content yeah and how you stand out from everybody else um is one of the sort of main questions posed here so i think right from the right from the start it's sort of like it's kind of crushing if you are that young aspiring filmmaker and as they say one of the interview subjects says it when you start out you think it's going to be like uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory you know you get this gun ticket and you get to go off and make your vision and you have this amazing career just because you get your 
you've made your film and you it will instantly like get out there and people will see it and as we see throughout the film it's just not the case you can go to like cons and you can have a huge stack of business cards and ultimately have nothing to show for it at the end of it it's not just a case of uh getting into film festivals or getting the word out that you have to have all these other different things you have to have like a lookbook and you you gotta have like a sample or a proof of concept and it's all these uh different things that we see him putting together and basically not just trying to get one project off the ground but many different projects off the ground as we see yeah, as over the slate yeah over the years that he that this this documentary goes on i mean this documentary starts in 2014 right and yes. in in right now we're 2020 and at this point i think they probably wrapped up on it at like 2019 or something like that so it was it was a long time to see all this and and i really like like the the similarity of getting a project off the ground is similar to like getting financing is like finding a job that's what i felt like when he was talking okay. about how you have to get your project to get someone to fund you you need to have you need to show that your your experience but in order to have the to show your work you need to have money but it's kind of like this revolving circle and then you just <laughs> it's just like it's just it's just like this whole little circle of impossible because they want something and then it's like when you look for a job they want you to have experience but without a job you don't have experience so it's that person who takes that chance on you yes exactly it's um it, 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 i think it's uh kind of like a bit of a harsh wake-up call and i think not only to the audience but also to McConnell as a, a whole because I think he enters in sort of these these bright ideas and the fact that he just thinks it's going to if, if he just like goes to this one festival or if he speaks to this one person that it's all going to sort of fall into place and we see him that um, he's trying to he's working on this uh, book adaptation throughout throughout the film and I mean when McConnell he's kind of in the unique situation that he's made several films at this point and he's had films obviously released out there he's had shorts and they've been met with sort of like the mixed reviews but nothing's really sort of launched him his career the way that he wants to and this is what he's obviously hoping to achieve over the course of the film um initially with this uh as i said with this uh book um adaptation i'm trying to remember what the name of the book is now but mark of cain uh yeah Marky Kane uh this sort of pulp horror novel um that he he puts together this this whole sort of uh picture he puts down script for and I mean even by the end of the film they're still trying to get it made and it's really the um his shapeshifter horror film that he manages to finally get the funding for and and, and sort of set him on this this path of uh, being a filmmaker so how did you find him though as a as a subject to obviously follow because I mean obviously we switched back and forth between numerous talking head interviews and uh, obviously his journey but I mean just separating his journey from the rest of the film here I mean how did you find him as a subject to follow I think for me it it's a little bit more close to my heart in that sense, because I, 
I saw Life Changer, which is the movie that by the end of the documentary he had gotten funding for. And and it was through this movie that I knew about his name. And and for me, watching the process of him doing all of this is something that you don't know about as when you're reviewing a movie, obviously. Uh, granted, I didn't say anything bad about the movie. I really did like Life, Ch- Life Changer a lot. Um, but I think he's really interesting in the sense that I... <laughs> I mean, it is very, it feels very, like, homemade video style. Like, you know, like the selfie where his camera is up to his face all the time. And Yeah. Uh, but, but you see, I think as a subject, he's really interesting. Mostly because of all the hurdles he's gone through to get a project that he believes should, should, you know, that, de- that deserves to be in front of the screen. And especially because he has, um you know, a cast that is really, really good, um, that, that he's trying to just kind of kick off the project. And at the same time, it's, at the same time, it's not just about him finding a movie, but at the same time, it's about finding his confidence and finding his place of how to approach this whole thing. So during the whole thing, it's not just about him, it's not just about him seeking out all these, conver- all these conversations and all these connections that he he needs to build in order to go to these cons and then change his vision on how he wants to approach uh, finding his, getting his project greenlit. But at the same time, we also see him going through a personal change where he's eating healthy and then he's exercising a lot and he's kind of changing his life internally and psychologically as well uh, to kind of have, I guess, a better mindset into going, going through this. And it's at this point, you know, when we start the, the documentary, he's, he says straight out about how he's not sure, he, it's pretty much along the lines that he's not sure of himself as a filmmaker anymore because of all the doubts that's been there. And, and, and yet, you know, he still keeps going on this journey. And by the end of it, we, we see this change, like, throughout, where he changes himself a lot, and then he starts being more outgoing. This is not just something he's working on by himself. It's something where he's approaching other people, and he's learning a lot from this process, and he's, he's, and he's changing his trajectory every little bit to try and, and kind of expand, his in, uh, expand what he's doing and add more things to, to, you know, show proof of concept, like different little tips that he learns to 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 just kind of advance forward to that final stage where he finally gets a project done. So I I think he's a I think he's an intriguing subject. I mean, it's very personal. It's very you, you see a lot of the path that he's taking and the struggles and that really highlights it really gives that contrast with the people that he's interviewing. So I I think it's set up really good. Like Okay. <laughs> I personally find him a bit tedious in places, to be honest. It it does. Sort of like I I do get where you're coming from. Like tedious, I do get. Uh, I for me though, I have a really short attention span for documentaries. It's one of the reasons why I don't watch them so much. Yeah. It's felt like his journey and just he, he lacks any sort of real sort of charisma as a personality that you're essentially going to spend a great deal of time with and we're watching someone essentially on this 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 treadmill cycle 
which I understand is, is how the industry works. I mean, you just you create content, you put content out there, content gets ignored, you go back and make more content. Yeah, I get that. I mean, this is what we what we do here. Yeah. But, you know, obviously in the podcasting form, you just here on your little desert island throwing out bottles, hoping that someone's going to come along in their speedboat to pay you to write bottles for them. But, um, yeah, it's, just, it's sort of like very much the case of, he just seems to be constantly depressed all the time. Apart from when he gets his dog, which I was kind of relieved to have like something happy in this film. But a lot of the time it just feels like, oh, everything's like really... Everything's sort of stacked against, against us. And you sort of get used to that sort of thing. And then we get into the last half an hour and then suddenly it's sort of like... Oh, the industry is also stacked against you if you're a woman. And it's sort of like, well, what's that got to do with your journey? It's all like you just basically feels like he's including any interview footage he's about to get get rather than editing out anything that's not essential to the story, the journey he's taking. He's just now basically working in. So now it's just everyone basically complaining about how tough the industry is. And it's like, yes, I get the industry's hard, but, you know, this is the nature of the business to then start working in. You know, it's hard because of my ethnicity or my gender. It just felt like a different film that being sort of tacked into this film just to sort of pad out the runtime and I felt that if this had been hacked down to like an hour this would have been pretty uh, an engaging a more engaging film but because it's obviously going for the feature length that last half an hour is just absolutely tedious throughout and it just feels that at this point you're just basically hearing the same things of like yes everything's very tough and you know you've got to do all these things to sort of make yourself stand out in this industry and all the time you're like looking at his career and he's all like he's out there he's making films he's getting into festivals and stuff and you're thinking and yet you're all you're doing is sort of like complaining that it's not this big break and it's only once he gets the end that he sort of has his realization sees what we the audience have been sort of seeing the whole time that you know he has been making it as a filmmaker and just because he's not been having this superstar like breakout film he's not had like his Blair Witch or his Reservoir Dogs or Clerks or this sort of fantasy um fantasy sort of like just being of being sort of discovered the way that we had like in like the late 80s early 90s with like the Sundance kids where they were like having these films like being picked up at um Sundance and like launching them into like superstar sort of careers um he it's just he take it's just this slow realization of the that you know he has been making it as a filmmaker all this time but just not getting the recognition that he wanted it just felt like uh, well i don't know i don't know if i feel that way because i feel like we're thinking about this right now and this documentary was set years ago right if you think about in 2014 he wasn't he wasn't in film festivals he his first film festival essentially was essentially was Fantasia getting into Fantasia mm. with for world premiere of life changer. But before that he had that short film that he was doing or the two short films or something that he had done that had gotten in. But is that really, you know, making it, I mean, as from my experience, I mean, I do watch a lot of, I, I watch a lot of short films in, 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 in festivals, but they're not meant to be, you know, they're kind of like, you know, your, your, appetizer to a movie usually (laughs) they're not meant to be watched like in huge doses like we there are certain sections of film festivals which are especially dedicated to short films but 
you know, it, it's it's more of doing a proof of concept. And is, you know, obviously he's getting into festivals. It's showing that he's making it. Gradually he's getting more recognized. He's getting into, he's meeting the right people. And he's being able to show his work a little bit more. But the first, I actually, opposite from you, I actually thought the first 30 minutes was kind of a drag. Okay. I felt, I felt the beginning part because it was just him constantly being on the phone where where it's just he's just trying to get the funding and it falls through funding falls through falling funding falls through so it's very much a lot of the same going on and what's interesting in the first part is more on the interview part than on his part but then when we hit like the second second part after he starts going to festivals and he starts making things to promote it and then he starts going into the frontier market and all those little things, those are all changing factors in in his story. Uh, and it's little things that he's learned. And I think it's one thing that, you know, maybe a lot, I don't know if indie, if a lot of, like, indie directors really know about Frontier Market. Because, I mean, I just wonder if they do. And, like, for me, at least, I didn't know about the cans thing where you have to where there's like it's like a market for, you know, people to sell their movies and stuff like that. It's a lot of interesting little things that I didn't know about. And I find that the second half had a lot more insightfulness to it. I, I do agree that the whole part about women, not that I don't think that that's a valid conversation. I think it's a conversation for another documentary. Mm. Uh, because that part happened and then I was kind of like, what? How? What just happened? Yeah. Why are we switching to this right now? And then, but luckily, it was a fairly short bit that he talked about it. So it wasn't like he jumped too far away. I think it was just the fact that he did have a, a few very like interesting points from the people that he interviewed. I think it's good. It just didn't seem to fit into this documentary. Yeah, it's and it's always. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I've got you know white male privilege here, but it's always so frustrating when you hear people complain about the disadvantage that they are, that their gender and or whatever presents, and then you, you look at it from your own sort of perspective, and you think, well, I could, I have all these sort of setbacks because I'm not. Um, obviously, uh, I don't have these other these advantages that, from my perspective, I see people as obviously having. So, it's um, when I. It just really didn't engage me, but I did think it was, as I said, it's something for another documentary. And I kept, um, I, as I said, I keep looking at uh, his 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 career sort of path and stuff, and and the fact that he's obviously out there. And I just wasn't sure whether this film worked better if it was just sort of if they cut out his journey and just kept it as the talking head parts, because certainly with the interview parts, we've got some very interesting bits and pieces mm -hmm. in there like we've obviously got the director of Manborg there um, and his particular studio have been real sort of independent sort of rebels out there just like making small independent films um, and sort of going the, going this sort of like true independent sort of route and we see a lot of uh, directors and producers of like projects I really really liked such as like Turbo Kid and then you have like uh, people like Michael Bian who apparently can't say the Terminator saga, but instead has to go Terminator one two three four five six. <laughs> and it's sort of like, no, you don't need to count them all out. We we know how many there are. Um, he was so intense in this documentary. I don't know. 
why he was so he, he was so intense but he was like just sitting in sitting in his backyard and just looking so angry the whole way through so um but yeah del toro is really great in this i i think it seeing del toro's parts in particular just like made me uh nostalgic for our second season when we just get to wade through like <laughs> hours and hours of special content with del toro talking about things that he loves it and you could he still has that sort of like independent filmmaker spirit when you like hear him talk about films yeah. and he's like talking about pacific rim and he's like yes it's so like you know i was the kid with the the dinosaur and the iron man figure like smashing them together and this is the sort of person who goes and makes a film like pacific rim so yeah i think he added a you lot know, to I think it he did add a lot i mean because you know del toro is all about being himself oh, and of i think that was one of the messages that you come out from is that when you make a movie, it you have to try and you have to be yourself. You have to be confident in yourself, confident in your vision. And I mean, as crazy as some of you know some of Guillermo del Toro's ideas are, and obviously we've looked at a lot of them where there's a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of elements that adds a new twist to the the traditional genre that we've seen of many many movies and many many subgenres of horror. This is the person who who believes in kind of taking a different path from from the norm. And I feel like that's what stands out in the indie and, and you know genre cinema indie independent market is those people who are able to visualize a movie that's different from what someone has done. It's obviously, you know, we're sitting here talking about it. I've never made a movie. I've never written a script. So it's easier said than done for sure but you know a lot of times is you just have to believe in in that vision that he has and i think you know in in terms of mcconnell i mean for me at least i think life changer was was definitely a game changer for him because it had a very unique concept to to just the story he was trying to tell and the horror behind it and that whole shape-shifting element that he adds in and how it all works. I mean, if you haven't seen Life Changer, I, I definitely think you should. Uh, but I mean, see that that's that's kind of like these these people are talking. You know, like obviously Del Toro is is you know I think he was the one who talked about you know how the industry is so big that that now people are talking about the the industry in terms of like how you fit into a pipeline and, and, then, and then the sewage and you know they're using sewage terms to talk about the 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 funding of of movies and stuff and i really really like that part i think i think it's it, it's a thing that i've never thought about <laughs> well yeah it's this is basically it's just all about this this flow of content it's just about how we keep this flow of content uh going um i think i had to wonder though if like mcconnell was like how pissed mcconnell was when um it, when he sees that the guys who made Sky Sharks got funding for their film, I know. Because <laughs> anyway, I, I looked at the trailer for Sky Sharks and I was like, "This is bloody awful." So it's kind of like, and then it was like they no, I mean it was it was Raven Banner, I think, who took them, I think, wasn't it? And then and then they got Sony to back them, I think. So it's it's it's. I was just like, no, that's crazy, you know. <laughs> But um, yeah, it is a it is an actual movie. It's kind of like a Iron Sky meets Sharknado. 
Um, I don't know. There's part of me that kind of wants to watch it, and part of me thinks that's just life's too short yeah, to be subjecting yourself to these things. You know, our next Shark Week, oh, we can Christ consider Lord. Sky Sharks. <laughs> We're really scraping the barrel now, aren't we? We're... <laughs> you never know. Like, look. If there's anything I learned from this documentary, and it's one thing that I've solidified from everything, is that, is that sometimes, especially in indie cinema, what you need to think about is keep a very open mind, open mind to everything. I've seen trailers which look really bad, and when you take a chance on the movie on that low budget, and you and you and they can embrace that budget and use it properly. There are some really, really great low-budget movies out there uh, that, you know, obviously I went in and I didn't expect it to be good and it turned out to be really great. And I think that's one of the things I really love about doing the festival circuit and, and covering these festival circuits because you always find movies that surprise you. Whereas, you know, when you watch mainstream movies, you have this constant expectation of the movie being good to live up to you know the budget that they put into it whereas and it's constantly you know there's the majority of the time a lot of them are very disappointing but i don't know i guess it's i mean that's just my 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 vision of it but i mean talking back about the the documentary i you know one of the things i really did like was was um the different elements that he talks about in in just kind of like being a filmmaker in this landscape and one of the things that I thought was really great is that it, he the touch the mention of you know like the whole the whole keyboard warriors sort of thing about how people view movies right now with the saturated market and and you know how criticism how there's just an immense amount of criticism in the business. Definitely so, and I they as they point out, I mean, it's a lot of the keyboard warriors who feel no sort of shame in tearing your the thing that you spend all your time and effort making um, and just sit there tearing it apart with sort of little concern over the over the effort that went into make it and needs obviously this is cited with uh, the collapsed uh, which is his one it's um, a film which he feels that did sort of middling business uh, with it it's a post-apocalyptic film in mm. a sort of low budget way um, but um yeah, it's it's sort of like this this idea that you know films are now more disposable than they they used to be, and you hear this a lot a lot now when uh, people are talking about that back in the day when you'd like vent something from the video store, you'd actually to make the effort to watch it all the way through. But now because of there being so much content, and especially when you look at the streaming giants out there, you know like Amazon Prime and Netflix, the fact that if you're watching something and you get bored like part way through, you just turn it off and you go and look at something else. So uh, yeah, and then, and then your your continue watching list like <laughs> is never ending. I can't personally do it, but I know there's people out there. I, I hate having this idea of things being unfinished. I to drag myself through things so. Maybe that's why I'm so picky about what I watch now. So, but um, yeah, I mean, this film's sort of equal parts cautionary tale to aspiring filmmakers and the insight to the outsiders of the film industry of uh, of how the how the industry works. And compared to other films that we've seen in the covering this sort of topic, I mean, there's the doc documentary 
um, about getting films into film festivals, and it, it's the sobering takes that really make you wonder why anyone sort of sets out to try and be a filmmaker when you have this sort of like harsh reality thrown at you. So I'm not sure whether this is going to inspire or deter more people from trying to make a career in the film industry or not, but parts both like a tedious and interesting look at the industry as a whole, I felt. I don't know. I think that there's a, there. you know, he, he talks, he calls this film, uh, this documentary pretty much a survival guide. And in the end, do you think that it is? I mean, for me, I, I personally think that he does give a lot of really good options. Um, like I said, I mean, a lot of options I didn't know about. I did know about Frontier because that's like mm. a big deal in Fantasia. There's a lot of, and then, you know, the different paths it has to go through and all those things. I think that if you want to be a filmmaker, filmmakers are... I, I always think that when, when you go into, like, the art path, you start off as a dreamer, and you will keep pursuing your dreams. And then the realistic side hits you, and this is what this movie's about. It's about when a dreamer meets the reality of things, and it kind of puts you off a little on it. But as you persist, you realize that, you know, in the end, his positive message is is really the fact that he realizes that he... he you know, the pretty much the fact that he's 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 pretty much in this business, even though, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff to show for it. But, you know, to him. But then at the same time, he's also he's also been making movies for, you know, a few decades at this point. Right. Two decades or something at this point. Yes. I mean, he's and he's he's made feature you know, films, it's not just shorts that he's been making. I mean, he obviously does well. He did, like, Broken Mile. Um, he did The Collapse. He did Skull World. And he also did a documentary. Yeah, and we saw the filming for Do You See What I See? Um, that yeah. Was during the thing as well. And... So it's not like he's he's not had feature films out, though. It's more just the fact of that they've not had the success that he wants. Um, that's what it, I feel like it's just it's more it's more of the term of just you know like not being able to get the financing right this is this is essentially what this is about it's it's surviving being this in a mental state of this painful experience of finding that 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 first that that first company who's going to be willing to put money into your work mm. and then hopefully this person believes in your vision so much that they will it will be a long-term kind of partnership yeah, definitely so, and I think to his, his credit, I mean, he gets Richard Stanley, who knows, certainly knows a thing or two about uh, trying to get films off the ground. I mean, when we look at his failed production of The Island of Dr. Maru, which was uh, very well charted in, in Lost Souls, I think it, he, he, if anyone knows uh, the struggles of trying to get a film made, I mean, it's really thanks to Spectre Vision sort of bringing him out of the wilds to do um, A Colour from Outer Space. That uh, that we, you know, we saw really, him again. I really like Richard Stanley's part because he like outlines the whole like different phases of being like a, a, a indie filmmaker. <laughs> Every single phase he talks about is is kind of like you you start at this like kind of you know he has like these different parts where he's talking about you know at the end where you kind of you have different phases and then at the end you're kind of like at this phase where you're not you're not sure about you know. You, all these different things that are going on and whatnot and it's 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 really i i, I find richard stanley really uh i think his phase three was like was something about you give up your life 
<laughs> like you give it up and you don't want to have anything to do with it or you're <laughs> at this phase of the project. I really, I found that hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he has that wonderful analogy that, you know, film your film's like like this child and you send it off out into the world once it's completed and it goes and finds its own friends and and, and you even though you have nothing to do with it anymore it just goes off and finds it creates this life of its own i think that's i think that's just such a an interesting idea again it's all about while well, this film's obviously about filmmaking i mean you can apply it to so many of the sort of creative fields yeah. just this idea of, of when she puts something out there it just sort of takes on a life of its own the filmmaker's journey, which detracted from the, from, from the, from the, for the most part, the interesting talking head parts, and I think it's because he he interviews a lot of people that I'm a fan of. Um, you know, a lot there's a lot of cool horror figures in there. I mean, you've got people like Brian Trenchard Smith. I mean, you've got George A. Romero. Um, you've obviously got Lloyd Kaufman. Because you can't talk about independent uh, filmmaking without Lloyd Kaufman appearing in your film, it's the law. I think even Brian Yazuna turns up at, at uh, one point as yeah, well. there's Tom Savini, and there's... Uh... And Sid Haig, who... I think it must have been really towards the end of Sid Haig, because he looks very unwell. And um, Dick Miller, who I'm also a huge fan of, and I didn't realise it. He was also looking really unwell as well, so I think that he really got those interviews right at the end for a lot of these people because they weren't looking to uh, the worst were so. But um, yeah, I as I said, it's not a film that really sort of worked for myself. I think Kim, you had a a different experience with it though. Yeah, it's like I said. I mean, for me, it's a bit different because. I have been in, you know, I have seen Life Changer and Life Changer was kind of a, was, was a memorable experience. Like for me, a movie and I think it was what, two festivals ago at this point. And I still remember a lot of the movie, which is <laughs> with, for us who watches like what, <laughs> you know, to other people, it's really little, but we watch a lot with like 300 movies a year. It's, it's, it's really hard to remember a lot of the movies that we watch unless they make an impact and to me I didn't to to watch McConnell go just see him go through this experience and it was kind of an educational turn on seeing the different angles and and really I think having a different appreciation for genre cinema you never like for me I never think that it's an easy process uh there's a lot of work that goes into it a lot of things that need to be done and we know about it especially because we're you know we're we were we're in this you know we're pretty much watching this business as it grows because especially for myself because i'm i'm i cover fantasia so much um but for me it was also great because you know obviously with our current pandemic going on um this was my little <laughs> i guess Obviously, this is part of the, the, the virtual version of Fantasia that we're releasing this. Uh, but at the same time, he interviewed a lot of people that were in the circuit, the festival circuit that I kind of, you know, obviously I'm not friends with them, but I have seen them in the circuit a lot. And, and it's interesting that I know that, you know, obviously I know that their vision and their, their view on this topic is, you know, they have some legit opinions on it. And yeah, and so for me, it's it kind of drags me a little closer to the people that are that I usually would have seen if I went in person to the film festival. You know, like people like uh, Mitch Davis is a big part of Fantasia, and he's 
I mean, if you've never experienced Mitch Davis, like, introducing your movie, like, I, I don't know, you really need to, like, Mitch Davis introduces your movie, he is the most enthusiastic person in the room, like, just the way he introduces a movie, it's something that, irreplaceable. <laughs> Uh, so, for reviewing, if you obviously enjoyed this film, what would you recommend watching next, if anything? Well, I mean, for me, I think I've already mentioned pretty much. I mean, I don't watch a lot of documentaries, so I don't have documentaries to suggest except for Playing Hard, which is, if you think, I mean, it's it's not obviously the indie uh the indie market so much but it's definitely the gaming market on the triple a about just how it's how green lighting a new ip is really hard uh, in the industry and having someone put that same kind of faith so playing hard is a really um gives you a really good vision of that whole process uh it's very similar i guess in parallel to this one obviously it deals with a bigger company like ubisoft so it's a whole different ball game, uh, but I mean, other than that, I would definitely highly, highly recommend um, what. Since we're talking about McConnell's documentary, and we see that Life Changer is released, I would recommend. Uh, I would pair this with Life Changer as well. Great. Uh, for myself, there's a couple of uh, films out there. The first one I would recommend uh, checking out is this film is not yet rated, which is a look at uh, movie censorship and the ratings process for America. Um, really fascinating documentary and also features some really fantastic deleted sequences from movies such as like American Pie and Team America World Police that... Uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting, kind of uh, funny when you hear like Matt and uh, Trey talk about how their way of tackling the censors was to basically throw every perverted thing that they could do with puppets at the screen because they knew that they would cut it down for them. Um, and that if they just basically went in with like just their standard sort of uh, puppet sex scenes that they would have ended up with nothing. So it's kind of fun just to see how the system works in terms of censorship and also how filmmakers play the system at the same time. Um, the other side of things is another documentary about another independent filmmaker and that is uh, American Movie from 1999 uh, directed by Chris Smith and this film is kind of like Spinal Tap, but about horror filmmaking. Um, and it's actually just a, it's an actual bona fide documentary. It's not a, like a parody or anything like that, even though when you watch it, you would think that it is. But it follows uh, filmmaker Mark Borash as um, he attempts to finish his film that he's been working on. Um, and basically, he spent two years trying to get this, this horror film made. And uh, basically, just follows him and his uh, his uh, friend as they try to get the the film finished. But at the same time, he's the sort of personality where he seems to have convinced himself he's one of the greatest filmmakers ever lived, just um, waiting to be recognised for his talent. So it's certainly a very unique film um, and one a very interesting look at the independent filmmaking scene of the late nineties. So, but um, I think it's uh, definitely one that. Um, then you should definitely should check out as well if you uh, if you like this film or just wanted to see another film about independent filmmakers. Cool. So that brings us to the end of uh, another edition of Movies and Tea. Thank you as always for listening. 
You can find our full archive of episodes on moviesandteapodcast.wordpress.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And if you haven't already, please do hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you happen to be listening to us. Maybe leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show. But until next time, thank you to my co-host Kim. And we'll be back soon. Until then, good night. <laughs>